Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. It's happening. It is happening. Can you see that? I can see it. That's fantastic. I can't hear it. I don't know if I believe it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better with Joel and Steve podcast. Yes. Yes, we are still a podcast. We are still a podcast. We have this is a welcome to 2024. It's been a it's been a few weeks, Steve. I think it's been three. It's been probably a month since we actually did this. Yeah, because you think you threw up um, our the, the refresher course, uh, the refresher course, our first episode. Yep. Uh, the reason for the hiatus is not because Steve and I are fighting. Um, not much. Uh, it's healthy. My my beloved wife. Um, and past guest Kirsten, uh, we lost her father, Ray uh, Cedardall, on uh, January 9th. And uh, I'm sure that Steve and I will have a more in-depth conversation because we have a fantastic guest today. But that's why that's why for the hiatus, it was a little, it was a lot. And uh, yeah, may he rest in peace. And um, we'll talk more about that. I've got a lot to work through with Steve on that one. Think, so. Amen. Well, I want to say for the record, and I, I'm not. I hope I don't. This isn't coming ca- across as like flip or glib or whatever the word is. But any uh, celebration of life service that ends with the family dancing to the Beatles, yeah, I, you know, I think that's really appropriate. Yeah, and it was just genuinely like, well, like what the pastor was talking about. Like people die, but love doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. And and the ripples of that just going out, like the ripples of Ray's life. Uh, will keep on so yeah you know, we just I, get, and that, I, I i i you know having gone through um you know losing my father and and that situation like i know that there's going to be tough times ahead mm-hmm. but i also know that it'll be okay so yeah thanks man and and uh <clears throat> about that we'll we'll, we'll definitely de- delve deeper into that whole situation but you know ray would i i actually was bore witness to this ray would oftentimes if a song came on the speaker while he was cooking dinner he'd grab his wife and dance with her so it was kind of apropos that kirsten started that when uh, the beatles played. that's awesome yeah so it, very don't, cool. don't ever miss an opportunity to dance with somebody if you can so that there's i think truer words never spoken so so yeah welcome well, speaking, to the speaking of dancing and speaking, speaking of dancing speaking of new dance partners Steve, you you should introduce this gentleman. Sure, you you know so him this intimately. is this is actually all uh, a friend and former uh, trying to be a better podcast guest Jack Van Cleve because he stumbled upon this Grateful Dead game show podcast called Guest the Year about a year ago and uh, competed on it and he said, dude, you should you know reach out and see if you can play. So I so I, I did. And um, that, I mean, it's just the weirdest thing. I mean, if you would have told me in, on August 10th of 1995, when I was just crying and, you know, like not okay on any level, um, that in the year 2023, I'd be playing, competing, and defending a championship on a Grateful Dead game show podcast, I probably would not have believed you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, and that, uh, speaking of ripples, I feel like no pun intended, but I feel like, um, well, the, 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 this whole Grateful Dead thing just kind of keeps growing and evolving. Like losing Garcia was just like cutting the head off the Hydra. Mm. 
And uh, this is, and so our guest today is a really great example of that. And his name is Mike McClure, and he is the host, the the man behind the curtain for the great for the guest of the year podcast. Mike, welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast. Thanks for having me, Steve. It's good to be on TTVB. Uh, big fan, and uh, it's great to be here with you guys. Right on, you, man. You use the acronym, which is. Uh, brings me a lot of joy that you would call it TTBB and that you're a fan that you even listen to this Mike is really great man I, I thanks for uh thanks for coming on of course as I've told Steve before it's like uh it soothes me because you guys are like just friends hanging oh. out and I love yeah. hanging out with my friends and you guys are, and I know you guys a little bit and you know I know you a little bit Joel and I've spent a lot of time with Steve because he just keeps winning at my game and coming back but uh it does feel like hanging out with yeah. friends and I, that's just the best type of podcasting yeah. Yeah, man. Well, and that's, you know, it was so cool to run into you in Boulder last summer because it was just one of those things like, oh, it's Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, and those are banging we, shows. Uh, time together, but it was, it was really cool, you know? Yeah. So that's the, it, it was just, it was cool to have that meet space connection. Completely. And it's weird how many, and I, how many the guests of the year community that's one part i didn't see coming is uh these people who are really good at guessing the years of grateful dead tracks everyone's so different you've got steve you know lincoln nebraska and you got like a 18 year old from los angeles and you've got a bunch of new york and it, whatever and everyone gets along we've had a meetup in san francisco before the dead and co final shows and oh, wow. everyone just immediately got along like immediately it was so um <laughs> striking well, th there's a there's something about it's literally like the thing of you get three or four deadheads together and everybody else in the room is just like, nah, I guess we'll go get a drink or something. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I want to say I mess. I think I was messaging with you, Mike, because um, we were, you know, when Steve was on, I would share the post that he, you know, about his episode. So you and I had a little back and forth. And so I like that you you hang out with us because Steve and I just back and forth. This is there's nothing there's no like this is how we hang out, right? Like we talk like this when we're hanging out, but the great, one of the great things about your show, it, it's an amazing show and it's really, it, I love how simply elegant it is, but the best part about Steve being on the show was that I've listened to that guy talk about the Grateful Dead for hours in a car, just like he talks about the dead on the show. And I'm like, thank huh. God the world gets a little bit of a window into this guy's uh, genius neuroses uh, yeah yeah whatever whatever you want to call it it's cool that your show gave the world the opportunity to hear steve go off about jerry's guitar tone in 75 versus 78 or what you know what i mean yeah and it bums me out that it took so long for the world to discover this talent in steve and 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 other awesome guests that we've had you know like yeah for sure and it makes me wonder what else other people are super good at that would be super entertaining that they're not getting the oh, platform yeah. to show off. Oh, yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that's uh, Garcia said one time, I don't remember the context, but he said, I'm into whatever people are into. Yeah. Like, like if you're a freak about something, be a freak about it. Yeah. Whether it's like model railroads or a band or professional sports or whatever, you know, like whatever your, whatever your deal is, like just wail with it. hundred percent. I, watch, I, I feel I, like I came to this, Go ahead, Mike. No, 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 please. 
I was just going to say, like, I don't, I kind of just stumbled into this Grateful Dead neuropathy <laughs> <laughs> kind of by default, you know, and it, it seems to have worked out okay. It took a little while, but you know. But you can identify the years and you're good at explaining it. And you, you, I've noticed you always, I think I've told you this, you like, you always land the plane. When you speak, you have like a beginning point and like an end point. And that's very hard to do. Rambling is incredibly easy. I do it all the time. But you always, it's almost like you see the entire flight path before you take off, you know, and you always land the plane. It always is about like one minute and then you, and you've summed everything up. It's, it's incredible. And that's a different well, thing than guessing years, you know? Well, I, I appreciate that. That's really nice of you to say. Um, I don't know. I guess I feel like maybe that's the musician part. It's like, if you're going to speak, have a point, <laughs> which is, that's kind of true about, um, like playing a guitar solo. Yeah. You know, I mean, mm. obviously the, you know, oh, Garcia just noodled, except for when he didn't. Yeah. Like Garcia yeah. was very good at punctuation mm. and emphasis and, and having a, a through line. Yeah. And, and I think that's something, I think that's something that to the uninitiated listener that you kind of miss that, you know, I mean, there were obviously the 20 minute long just noodle jams, but even those, if you actually listen to them, there's a point like he's speaking in phrases and you're aware of the audience's attention. I'm sure, especially as a live musician, when you, you know, you could go on the stones for whatever, you know, rip off some, you have to be aware yeah, of, you yeah. kind of have to read the room and like, Oh, okay, I better quit it with this painted black soul or whatever. A hundred percent. Like that's actually a discussion that we've had recently in exile on O street is uh, the end jam of uh, can't you hear me knocking mm. like, you know, on the album. I mean, that's, pretty perfect but we have struggled with that and i finally just said recently like look if you're starting a jam and people are looking at their watches and going to the bar you need to stop the jam <laughs> immediately you know what i'm saying like oh i guess this is gonna okay well you know like because we're a bar band and a party band you know like you want people to stay on the dance floor so no wild horses I ever no, oh, we play Wild Horses and we play yeah. Angie, but those are like each set has a ballad, you know, okay. so people can slow dance and, you know. And they play like eight sets. It's like four hours. <laughs> yeah, we play three sets. We play four hours. I, but speaking, anyway. speaking of Garcia's ability to sort of control the space, I, I am always, I am always remarkably moved whenever I'm listening to a Garcia solo where he is feeling the energy of the band, the audience, and is able to lift it to a whole new level. And everybody is sort of, you can feel everybody kind of open up and laugh and kind of like, holy shit, I didn't think we were going to go there tonight. Um, yeah, the ability to put the punctuation on it, yes, but sometimes that punctuation is like, you know, three exclamation points. And mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's more than just the... The notes he plays too. He does have that. I know. I don't want to, you know, godlike quality where you can just affect people <laughs> across. The, I don't know. It's weird. It's beyond, you know, someone can play the exact same mm -hmm. notes, and, but because it's not Jerry, it doesn't have the same effect on the audience and the rest of the van, probably too. I was watching, and I do want to get to asking you questions, Mike. But yesterday I was watching uh, the first view from the vault video from July 8th, 1990 in Pittsburgh. And, uh, it's so good. It's just a, it's a, it's one of those day at the office, Grateful Dead concerts, you know, mm -hmm. 
they're playing to 50,000 people, which is no small thing. And it's really like to watch and the cameras because the, the cameras for the big screens. So it's lots of up close shots and you really get to see like facial expressions and just to watch even just the first set of the show, like on paper, it's a fine first set, you know, no big deal. But everything is played with intention and thought and a look that that looking down the glasses communication like Jerry, like Brenna just do something on the keyboards and Jerry just give that little smile, you know, that it was just tickling his funny bone. You know, like that was really nice hmm. to himself, you know, <laughs> like just being great. Hmm. Like he still had after 25 years and everything that he'd been through, almost dying in the coma and the whole thing. Like he still had that inner little like just love of things that sounded neat. <laughs> you know? yeah. And the fact that he got to do that on that scale is i mean as an artist i can't imagine you know yeah and he still got to freedom. like smile at his friends across the stage too you know even though i know yeah 100 you know, i'm i'm bummed that there are so, not more videos like, i know well that's i mean that's the i mean today like believe it or not when you know jerry garcia died uh there wasn't smartphones <laughs> what <laughs> Wait, there really wait, wait. Elaborate, wasn't like elaborate. consumer internet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we didn't have the ability to broadcast whatever we, we were at from our pocket. You know, but like cameras were still big and bulky and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, and that's the other thing watching those videos like this looks really good. And then you realize that's been upscaled and you look at all the equipment on stage and like the, the cameras on stage are huge. Yeah. Big team my buddy, cameras. my buddy and past TTBB guest, Charlie Shanka, he streams he streamed andy frasco from the ogden this weekend in denver like that's his job like he started a company and does web streams and they do it with gopros and like one or two Shit. moving cameras they just put gopros on the stage st strategically and then have a couple cameras they can pan out and but i mean all, all of the shit to do that to do a full webcast fits in basically a duffel bag which yeah. is you know, if you wanted to sneak a camera into a dead show in 93, the camera would take up the duffel bag. Like, the, right. the old VHS. Kinda, yeah. Those things yeah, are yeah. like suitcases, dude. Like, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's why there isn't a ton of video, you know? Yeah. But the thing that's been really cool, the technology in the last mm, decade, decade and a half, the computer processing power has gotten to the point that you can take a really shitty uh, VHS video shot from the back row of the capitol center it's all the way zoomed in so it's really like jittery you know because if you move the camera even just a, a millimeter it shakes everything you can smooth that video out and you can take a, a pristine soundboard or audience recording and sync that with that video mm. and all of a sudden you got a pretty watchable video yeah yeah and so like that's been just amazing and to the hats off to the people that take the mic you know and you both like what it takes to edit that together God. to take analog recordings and sync them it's not like there's a digital timestamp on them you know what i'm saying yeah like so that's a lot of work and there are people out there that dedicate a ton of time to doing that yeah for nothing for free which all goes back to the point of like that's that's that the ripple effect of the grateful dead mm -hmm. Like that, there are dozens. There are dozens. <laughs> there are dozens of, of people. Us. Dozens of us, but th th literally dedicate how many hours to finding those videos and then putting it together into a package, just so people can watch the Grateful Dead play in Providence in 1981. Mm -hmm. You know, 
like that's that's a thing yeah so uh mike i have to i have to ask this question um how'd you get into the debt (laughs) (laughs) i've heard mike say that so many times it's nice to hear it asked of him yeah yeah. it's hard to not sound disingenuous now that i've asked everyone like a hundred times i'm always like oh i almost like need a soundboard or something you know but here's but oh god that'd be funny but for the record (laughs) Like I love the way you host that show. Yeah. I love the way you host it because you're you're you at least appear curious. Yeah, you know, I mean that's part Damn. of the that's a, that's part of the show is like hearing these origin stories. And for me, it's always great. So anyway, sorry I digress. Well, thank you, and yeah, I am curious, and that's thank God, and that's why I, you know I've thought about doing the show with like fish or like someone like there because it's applicable to more than just the dead, but the dead are what I'm really curious about. And if I, without that curiosity, the show just doesn't work as well. It's, then it's just kind of, um, I don't know. It, it would still be interesting. I think there's a possibility for it, but just not with me doing it. Um, sure. How did I get into the dead? I, I got into the dead. It's not a clean story. I was, uh, I heard about it when I was very young. My dad played me like Truckin' and Casey Jones, specifically Casey Jones. And I remember like dancing around the living room. Like, oh, this is great. Um, it is great. Oh, yeah. Still slaps. Um, and then in 2015, fairly well, I like, I had, was in Chicago, living in Chicago, and I went with some friends and we didn't have tickets because the tickets were, you know, ungodly expensive. And I was at the time, I, I probably knew like, Scarlet Fire and Franklin's Tower and just basically nothing. But what I would f- soon find out is nothing, you know. Um, but we went with my girlfriend, now wife, and my three buddies. And we went and we, this guy told my friend that he knew of a place in Soldier Field where he hops the fence for every Bears game and had hopped the fence for every bear ga- Bears game for the past 30 years. And it was oh like God. some plumber named like Old Dave or something. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was like, this sounds like bullshit, you know, like that sounds like some guys just, you know, but we went to this specific spot, which is still there at soldier field. And I could take anyone there. I can't explain it really, but, and there's just, there's no one around. You can just, yeah, maybe right you ought to keep that fence. under wraps. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can let us know when we stop recording. I want to know this spot. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, it's weird, man. They have not fixed it and uh, whatever. So we hopped the fence, got in there. And I'm going to steal something that someone said on the show the last episode, I think, the first one that Steve hasn't been on in like a year and a half, which is, uh, it looked like, I looked over the crowd and I came up just as Phil started playing Box of Rain. And, uh, and, the, and the crowd looked like an amoeba. Everyone was just moving in unison, but in a very controlled way, but still very free. And it was 360, right? So there's a bunch of people behind the stage. And I'm like, why would anyone sit behind the, st-? you know, like, I'd never seen that before. I didn't totally get it. Um... Yeah, and I then I immediately got it, and the rest is history. Right on, man. Joel and I were both at that show. I, I, what? I have, I have had, I have had yeah. a long and, and winding road with the idea of the divine. But one thing that always comes back to me is being in the top left corner of Soldier Field, facing facing the show for, uh, facing the stage for fairly well, and just I, one song I probably took, you know seven eight minutes and just slowly scanned my eyes all the way around soldier field and just saw everybody moving and grooving and it was like i started crying i still get emotional thinking about it it's like what a gift to be a part of that kind of energy as a human being in this short life 
Okay, so I'm not crazy here. Word. I wasn't just it wasn't a first dead show thing that there was oh, no. some specific energy that night, right? Like Yeah. yeah. So here's the thing about that, Mike, is that I went to those fair courtesy of uh Joel and I's mutual friend uh, JT who got the lottery. Yeah. Like he got tickets mm-hmm. in the lottery. And uh yeah, yeah, it was amazing. And JT was kind enough to offer me a ticket to all three nights because I'm the one that got him into the dead. <laughs> Good investment. So, like, that was, I mean, many mucho thanks to JT for that experience. But, uh, like, I went to kind of close the loop because my first show was in July of 1990. So, 25 years later, I'd been through a lot in those 25 years. And I went, like, fine, if they're signing off, maybe this is a time to just go have a spiritual, like, thanks for everything, guys. Mm-hmm. You know? And I spent that third night bawling the whole time. Can confirm. Can confirm. Yeah. yeah. I just bawled the whole time. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't sad. It was beautiful and amazing and awesome. And, and, uh, yeah, I mean, to have, and that's something that, like, a stadium full of Grateful Dead concert is a slightly different experience than a state full, stadium full of professional fo- football. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, it was, that, that event, like, musically, for me, it was, okay it was almost more parts exasperation than inspiration like they were under rehearsed and i mean there were some good moments but it was kind of i don't know for me yeah just because yeah. i'm a dick like that i guess but uh and but i knew that the i knew the event it was kind of like what i was talking about the closing of winterland like the event are you kidding forget about it you know musically it's a little you know unfocused mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but, i've uh, always kind of wondered why well, you know Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, why they had Jeff and Bruce up there. I understand. Well, that and see like that, like, for example, the Scarlet Fire, they played that first night. They should have let that like the intro to Fire on the Mountain roll for like two minutes and just let Mm -hmm. everybody get settled, you know, and then start doing it. And Bruce started singing it way too fast, way too early. Like he came in just if you listen to it like, oh, yeah, that's too early. Like I was like it was just starting to get. You know, where it's like, okay, we're settling in, but it didn't quite get it. And then Bruce started singing. I was like, fuck. <laughs> I had that experience at Fair the Will so many times. Like, man, that was so close. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like they almost had it, which really is a perfect Grateful Dead concert. <laughs> do, you, do you recall who was steering the ship on the piano there? Or they was it Jeff or Bruce or Equal or? Well, Bruce was playing piano and Jeff was playing organ. That's how they oh. divvied it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep, they didn't. Like, Jeff played the organ, Bruce played the piano. And I feel like they could have done really fine with one of those guys. Either one of them would have done a great job. I think yeah. they brought Bruce in just because the star he, power. Yeah, Bruce was Bruce. And he, he's yeah, been yeah. there, and he's been there for a bit. So, And I don't know how you, I mean, how you felt about Trey as a guitar player, but I felt like that was a perfectly appropriate choice. Because what they really needed was somebody that could walk out in front of 80,000 people with a tremendous amount of expectations and have no problem doing it. Yeah. And also the humility to learn 90 songs and only sing like four of them. You know? Like- yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and Trey's, I mean, he's been around, like he played with Phil in 99 and, you know, I mean, like they, Trey knows the material. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm I watch those shows on YouTube well, he- the, uh, with Paige too, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, remember, I, I remember when those shows happened. It was like everybody lost their fucking minds. Well, there, wasn't there <laughs> some talk of there, there was some talk of like, well, because because 
when John Mayer was guest hosting something, he had Bob Bobby on, mm-hmm. and there was some talk that John Mayer should do it, but John Mayer didn't kind of find his. He didn't like fit into the shoe until that last. There's tour. no way one company. He would not have. It would have been. Nah. It would have been no so way wrong. <laughs> That would have been terrible. Yeah. It would have been a disaster. Yeah. You know, he was backstage at those shows watching. Um, I, he was, I believe that. Because he was like getting ready and he was like, I suppose he was like chomping at the bit and he was, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of FOMO that Trey got to do it all, but clearly he had a shot. <laughs> he wasn't ready for it. I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, he, I'm not a virtuoso guitar player like him, but he was not, he finally kind of settled into the comfortability in this last Dead and Company tour. Like he was, he, he would have been, a little too uh, Johnny Salami and at fairly well. If he had just, it, it would have been, yeah. ugh, it just would have been really uncomfortable. So it would have been pretty cringy. So after after those fairly well shows, Mike, like what happened? Like you had you had a visceral live experience with the music. Then did you just start like consuming, you know, the catalog? No, that's what you'd think, but I did not. <laughs> I I first I just. I waited for those shows to come out, the entire run to come out, and I just listened to those six shows or whatever. They came out on like CDs, and I and they were like yeah, two hundred dollars. Yeah. So I waited for someone to put it on YouTube, and I just listened to like those shows over and over and over again. Again, for hmm. some reason, it just didn't occur to me like, why don't you just go listen to the real thing? But then Dead and Company started touring in the fall or the whatever it was, spring, and um, saw Dead and Co. <clears throat> Again, I didn't think, yeah, John Mayer was a good idea. I was like, that's fucking crazy. And even more so, I felt like I was that I was robbed of that experience. I'm like, that was like the most, the, yeah, visceral, like emotional experience. Even for me, having not even a huge fan of the band, I'm like now they're just coming back. Like I was, I felt like, um, right, which is like, you know, <laughs> it's showbiz baby. <laughs> exactly. Didn't the Stones have their final tour in like '03 or something? I don't know. Yeah, maybe, yeah. <laughs> uh, which is so, in hindsight, so silly, but. And then I started seeing them. And then it wasn't until like maybe t- even still, I started listening to a lot of Dead & Co. Um, and yeah. and then I finally started listening on Archive and re-listen. And, and then, but it was really serious that got me completely hooked because it mm-hmm. gamified oh. it, which is what I ended up bringing to the podcast, which is everyone's been doing since, you know, this, people been listening to The Dead is guessing the year. And I started doing it in the car. And that's what really made me listen hard enough. And the harder you listen, the more you get out of it. That's when I yeah. ding. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, 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 I'm with you though, Mike. Like, I mean, Steve got me on the bus with, with the dead, right. Listening to it in his car, going to, we'd go camping out at this lake in Nebraska and, you know, we'd have four or five hour drive or going to a show. And I, I remember specifically asking Steve, all right, what do I need to hear about the Grateful Dead? And he knew exactly what to play me. So the music was kind of, has always been a part of my life since the nineties, but I really wasn't a fan until I heard it. But I'm with you on that fact of like going to Fare Thee Well and then seeing Dead and Company. I had my own experience with the music. It wasn't the actual band, but the music. Mm. Like I, I've had experiences with, you know, Birdsong or They Love Each Other or Franklin's Tower live. So that when I hear a version of it from '77, it hits me. And so like. I don't think there's any shame in saying, and I know you don't feel it, but I think there are some folks like, yeah, I just kind of got in because of dead and coming. It's like, well, that's why they did it because the music needed to live in our hearts and minds and not just like something like a historical relic. Yeah. And that, and another thing that we'll put, and 
for Dead & Co., I, I think what it gave me is, of course, it's not the dead, but it gives you the same excitement of going to the show and not knowing what they're going to play. Yeah, and for yeah. me, that was a huge, like, appealing property, especially as I've grown up my entire life seeing, I don't know, bands like The White Stripes or Modest Mouse or um, The Strokes, and you know exactly the songs they're going to play, and it was so cool to not have that. And yeah. it made me, it was, it had this like visceral excitement, like, oh, well, since I don't know what they're going to play, I got to go all three nights. And then you get yeah. caught up in the circus. Um, and <laughs> that's, that's cool. Why, that, well, that's why. <laughs> go ahead. No, no, that's, it's cool that Steve was able to curate your music for you because like he knows what you like. So he could show you the correct dead songs. That would be like the good, you know, pathway. Well, you knew, point. You knew that I, was, I mean, look behind me. I've got. Pearl Jam poster and you know a mad season record right here like my my music is early 90s grunge you know Seattle mm. grunge rock so he kind of knew where to hit my pleasure centers and then took me elsewhere you know what I mean and I'm really mm. I mean the connection there is that Ed Eddie Vedder of lead singer Pearl Jam has referenced the dead in that he curates the set list every night before their shows you never get the same show twice with Pearl Jam on a tour um, I'm going to see Tool next Saturday. I, I can look on the internet and know exactly what the set list is going to be. I'm still stoked to see it, but I think it's really special that we have bands in our lives where you show up and you you don't know where they're going to take you. And you may not get what you want, but you get what you need. Boom. Exactly. Oh, and it's always the songs that you think you want to hear that they don't hit that hard. I'm like, oh, I'm just hoping for a trucking or something, you know, or I'm hoping for exactly. a, yeah, yeah. a Scarlet Fire, you know, early on. All yeah. I wanted to hear was a Scarlet Fire. I was always crossing. And it never, it was never what you thought. It was always the random, like, feels like a stranger or something that really yeah. was transformative. <laughs> yeah. Loser. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I just got all tingly just <laughs> thinking about Loser. Like, oh, Well, so I, good. I did have an experience, though, at a, a Dead & Company show in Boulder, what was it, 2019, where I needed to hear Birdsong, and they fucking played Birdsong. And then they, I think it was Birdsong first, then they love each other. I was a mess because it was like, <laughs> I was like, ah, I was just, it was, I mean, for a lot of reasons, but man, so when they give you what you want, it's something else, too, when it hits. Yeah, and you listen for, it. and that's another fun game is as they're tuning, you know, and and yeah. you guys musicians, yep. it's probably much easier. But for me, like you can hear like that little bleep of sugary or something, and then it's almost yeah. like they're doing it on purpose. There it comes. Like they're yeah, yeah, but like well, but like, they mask it I, right. Like yeah, as somebody that like in exile, we'll play forty songs in a night, and so I'm looking at the set list, see what's coming up next, and like I'll have to remember like what the fuck is the lick to that song. So I'll kind of noodle oh. it to try and find it real quick. Oh, nice. And I think that's I think that's some of it, too. It's like we got like I got to find the fingering for this again real quick because I don't want to blow it right when it hits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like if you're, like the dead had a, a, a rotating repertoire of about 120, 130 songs. So if you hadn't played it in five nights or five shows, you got to take a minute to kind of. OK shift gears you know and it helps to just kind of hear it and then get the finger the muscle memory going like oh yeah that's that lick got it next let's go that's wild i yeah it's, it's funny how muscle memory is so much stronger go on sorry well mike it's just it's always like i love 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 like there was definitely a thing when i was getting into the dead especially because i was coming in 90 which is right you know people were sick of fucking touch heads man you know <laughs> People were sick of, you know, people that have been going to shows for years are like, fuck you idiots. You know, you're ruining our thing. And so there was definitely an element of deader than thou, right? Um, 
And so, and I learned that kind of the hard way early on, because frankly, I was kind of an idiot, you know? So like the dead was really, this is funny. This is where I learned how to be polite was at Grateful Dead concerts, mm. right? Mm. Because it was like, if you're acting like an idiot, people would just be like, you're an idiot. Yeah. Right? You know, there wasn't mm. a lot of uh, tolerance of just people being stupid, despite the fact that there were enough people crashing gates and throwing beer bottles that they shut down shows. You know, I mean, that was kind of, I mean, there's this, as always, the Grateful Dead was a full spectrum experience. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the really kind hearted people that are picking up trash in the parking lot after shows because they want to leave the place better than they found it. Yeah, degenerates, the degenerates knowing secret places to climb a fence. To I know, they're the show, worst. Not paying a ticket. It's, what a, what, can you believe it? We live in a society <laughs> and societies have rules. And the people That's that. That's right. You know, <laughs> It's disgusting. There are this rules. Is not this yeah. is not nom. There <laughs> are rules. <laughs> uh, but, uh, what was the point? I don't know. I totally I interrupted know. you, Steve. God damn it, Joel. Um, I don't know. Well, I want I want to know like how how from there. So you're now you're dabbling in current dead music, Mike. Like what? How how does the how does the intersection of creating you know a, a show like I mean, you don't have to just limit it to the dead. Like, I'm curious about you as a as an artist, as a producer, as mm. somebody who thought that this should be in the world. Like, what are some of those things that led you to guess the year? Like, and this could go back before the dead. Like, are you are you an artist in that way? Are you a creator in that way? And and why why guess the year? Like, what was it because of your love for the Grateful Dead music, or is like this will be a good idea or both? Good question. Yeah, I'd say both. I thought it was a really good idea and I was shocked that no one had done it. And I think I, that excited me. And I, I was thinking about how I could... Um, I, I, okay, so first of all, going backwards, I, I'm fascinated by like attention spans and how you keep hmm. someone's attention because I have a background in screenwriting. I live in LA and I, I came out here like write screenplays, but no one wants my screenplays and I've just been editing screenplays, other people's screenplays. Hmm. But a big part of that is pacing. And if, if you think like a boring movie is boring, like a boring screenplay is excruciating. And a huge part of that is you try to make it as, you know, zap, you know zippy as possible. And, and you can't have a wasted word. You can't have a wasted line of dialogue or action description. So I was already trading in this, how do I keep people's attention on the scripts? Because none of these movies have been made. It's all just writing. But it gets you that mindset of, monitoring and the way you do that is you monitor your own attention and you have to you write something you come back to it two weeks later you have to like put it aside so you can look at it fresh and then when you catch yourself getting bored you have to do something about it like no matter what and yeah so i, I was already kind of aware of that and the way that relates to guess the year is it just i guess the pacing and the gamification so the way that screenplays you know there has to there's a plot to it and there's a plot to guess the year especially like People tune in during Steve's run to see if Steve, same with like Jeopardy, right? Like you see the guys coming back and you, you want to know if he's going to make, and you know the way Steve acts and you kind of become, you know, like friends with him in a way. And, um, and I love that about Jeopardy. That's why I stole from Jeopardy. It's like, let's have the people keep coming back. And so people come and they tune into the runs. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's just, that's overarching plot, you know, um, again, Steve and characters. And so that's, that's the connection I think. And that's why, 
I, I just borrowed a bunch of different stuff from a bunch of different audio pod, and I love podcasts, right? I listen to podcasts all the time, almost a problematic level. I was listening to you guys like in the shower recently, and I was like, Ooh. I should just Ooh, be like, yeah, I know. Right? Going, right? It was, it was I'm sorry, bubble. It was a bubble bath, actually. You know, and I was. It is uh, the best way like, to lit some candles. Voices, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, but it was like I need to like. I, I ban myself from listening to podcasts while I walk around now because I need to use my brain because I was just every time I'd like get up to go to the bathroom, I'd turn on podcasts and whatever. I yeah. love podcasts. So that's where it all kind of, and then I started listening to Sirius and it all, I'm like, I think this is a good idea. Googled it. No one had done it. And I was like, I think it'll work. And I posted on so, Reddit and it worked. So somehow, cause I, I don't, I don't live on Reddit, but I have a Reddit, you know, I'm on Reddit I check it once a day or so just to, and and I'm on the the Grateful Dead subreddit. I never saw a post about Guest of the Year, and I'm wondering how the hell I missed that. I'm glad you missed it completely. Like the Grateful Dead subreddit. Uh, yeah, I I, I posted. You're, if you if you find if you Google or search Reddit search Guest of the Year, search. you'll see probably 20 posts. And I stopped posting because I okay. was so like embarrassed that I was breaching Reddit. I was like, I need to stop doing this. But I was dying oh. for part. I like I had no contestants. In fact, the first episode. And the second episode has a, a guy that lost in the first one, Kyle, who now is a huge, you know, he's omnipresent guest of the year. He's whatever. He, um, he came back in the second episode because there wasn't enough people. And then there were still only four. So it took a while to oh, wow. uh, get people to, and now there's a, you know, 70 person list to do it. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. But, it, but I did post on Reddit, Reddit so much. It was embarrassing. Did you did you create any podcasts before Guess the Year, and this was just the idea that popped, or is it like completely out of nothing? Like this should be a podcast. This will be my first podcast. It's not my first podcast. I had one let's called. Hear, let's uh, hear about the ones that. Let's hear about <laughs> the, the dead darlings in the backyard. Well, all right. I did one. This one. Okay. So before, I moved to LA to be a screenwriter, and I didn't know what that meant. So I moved out here and ended up as an assistant for uh, an actress. And, um, she's Kate Nash. Um, okay. I signed an NDA, but that was years ago. She's a, she's yeah. a British pop star, actually. Uh, very talented musician. She moved into acting, moved to LA and, uh, she rules. So she hires me to be her assistant and whatever, do that for a few years. And I started a podcast several years later before guest of the year called assisting where I called people called businesses around LA and pretended to be an assistant. For an actor that didn't Ooh. exist. And he's like, oh, nice! And and I pretended I like called and I would make little tasks. It, it was basically. Do you guys watch uh, Nathan for You? Uh uh. Uh uh. Okay. It's like this uh, show. This guy Nathan Fielder. He plays this character and interacts with real people. So I played this character of an assistant because I would be calling places on her behalf, and that's very normal in LA. You call people and, and you ask sure. for certain things. So I'm like. And I'd be like, hey, Kate Nash needs a, an, a, an appointment somewhere. And she'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, because, you know. But I'm like, well, it'd be funny if I called her, called places and said a fake guy's name. Be like, I'm sure you know my boss, like Jack Forrester. And so I, I kind of did that. And it, it was, and I just prank called places. But the problem is I took it all offline because uh, I was just, it's illegal. And now that like... Yeah. <laughs> I'm like married and like I have yeah. like a little bit of income. I don't want people to take away my my income. Um, at the time, well, I had I'm calling nothing, the Chicago I, Bears organization like after <laughs> this. And being illegal has gotten you a long ways, man. Just saying, right? 
start <laughs> smuggling or something. Yeah. So that's the podcast before, but like no one listen. I'm talking maybe I got like 50 listens all the time amongst my family and friends. And they thought it was quite funny. I felt yeah. good about it. It's totally. Yeah. But that's it. But that kind of, that kind of taught you how to make a podcast. So when the big idea came along, you were kind of, you were primed. Yeah. Isn't that funny with like, creative ideas is even if it's nothing ever really fails like no one listened to it but it yeah. did make me understand i i learned how to edit something in adobe audition which i now do you know with mm -hmm. guests the year and i, and do I do like make audition? a lot of edits oh yeah do you do you not i don't use it i just I, all of this podcast i put together on on audacity the freeware it's enough it sounds great i was actually it gonna ask you guys audio. how you guys do leveling because that's the biggest problem for um, <clears throat> guess the year. Well, and we, we just moved to StreamYard. Today's podcast is brought to you by StreamYard. StreamYard. The yard of streams. StreamYard, <laughs> where where we have a yard full of streams of your ideas. StreamYard. Sorry. In your yard. <laughs> Joel, Joel's in a your voice yard. over actor sometimes, so he... I, I can hear it. Um, Make a stream in your yard. StreamYard. <laughs> <laughs> are you the, is your dog the only one making streams in your yard try making your own stream in your own yard stream yard okay all right continue. all right <laughs> and if you don't i'll come and make a stream so, in your yard yeah don't let anyone else make a stream in your yard make your own stream stream yard take control if you if you need somebody to just riff on your screenplays, Mike, you just call me, dude. Appreciate that. I'll riff Always. The, the state of Hollywood uh, comedies is is dire. We could use you, Joel. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I know. Last... <laughs> no argument there. Yeah. Trash. Trash. Is Hollywood officially out of ideas? Would you say that's true? I mean, I think you could argue they've been out of ideas for a long time, but it. It, for some reason, maybe there's a, you know, latency to... Okay. I'm going to retract that statement because I went... This is a total aside, but I went and saw this movie Poor Things um, last week. It's got Willem Dafoe in it and uh, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo? Mm -hmm. Yep. And it's amazing. Original. I mean, it, you know, it's... I mean, borrow some things, but like Poor Things... Things. Um, uh, and I forget the director's name. Uh, Yorgos. But it's, it's Yorgos very... Lenthomos. Or... Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. I love that. that. Was I, like, he, I was... He's one of the originals. He's he's the man. Uh, I would watch all of his movies. What else has he done? Uh, the Lobster. What else would I know him in? Uh, oh, the the Favorite. Um, then if you go way back, his like initial movies were pretty fucking twisted, but they're very good. Uh, Dogtooth and one other one. But yeah, he that's a good... Mm. Robotsy because he is one of the most original directors right now, if not the most. But then that comes back comes back to the thing of I saw that in our local art house university theater with six other people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean like seriously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just hopped so out. It was There's... it wasn't Barbenheimer. Exactly. Well there there's Although, like to be ten fair, good there's... movies a year. Sorry? Yeah. Well but like I thought Barbie was great. Mm -hmm. Me too. Greta Gerwig killed that. Agreed. Greta Gerwig's yeah. the is a is an incredible director. Do you see Little Women? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh I haven't seen that. Her, her version of Little Women. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, right, Joel? Like that was uh mm -hmm. like 
a difficult difficult thing to put together and then of course um whatever she, she's just very very good um so yeah there are good movies it's just like now for some reason we get like 10 to 12 good movies a year and it seemed like before there were like if you go back to like 1999 i was looking at that list the other day the number of good movies that came out in 1999 it was i mean it was an absurd it was like 50 movies that we all you know are part of our culture still no one um, love yeah so many and it just does that doesn't really happen anymore so joel move well, on out i know i've been there <laughs> i moved back i lived in oh, that's la right. you lived in la yeah. yeah 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 i did live in la and uh I, I joel did, lived and died in la i didn't i mean part of me died <laughs> the right part, part of me died. died in la i had to yeah. bury some 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 gnarly parts of me in la but i i, I think that now it's like i mean that's the thing the the entertainment that we consume now, and this goes back to your podcast reference, Mike, that like, you know, one thing I appreciate about guest the year. And one thing that I think we try to do here, and I think it's natural because of who Steve and I are as pals is the art of the conversation. And your, I love the simplicity of guest the year because it's yep. not like, you know, you don't have the jeopardy theme. You'd have the music, right? The music is the central character and we're and everybody around it, even Steve, who is a fucking, you know, Grateful Dead savant almost, doesn't doesn't overtake what the reason that you're there. And and you you're to credit for that because you curate it in its simplest in its simplicity, right? That it's hmm. just this is what we're gonna do. There's no frills about it. And so the music shines, the history shines, and the people that love that music and history shine. It's not about Mike. It's not about Mike being, you know, another member of the Grateful Dead. It's about let's just do this thing and stick to it. It's a great observation for someone who's never been on one of those calls, Joel, because you're totally right. And when Steve can attest that when uh, ultimately, and sometimes there are people who are very notable in the dead community that whatever that are on the calls with us. And Steve's been on with like Bob and whatever. But ultimately, when everyone's the most excited is when we're listening to the music including yeah. the notable mm -hmm. deadhead who curates it, you know, and mm -hmm. right. everyone's just so excited about finding a Cumberland blues that they hadn't before. So you're right. It's just, that's well, the, the focal point. The David Gans episode was so great because I'm like, oh, shit, it's David Gans. And like, mm -hmm. he just was another head in the room that happened to know a few more things because he'd been around a little bit, but he was just another guy that was, you know, shooting the shit back and forth, you know? 100%. That was, I want to refer, I talk about that for a second because that was such a, I, I've listened to David Gans, I've listened to the Grateful Dead Hour since 1994. You know what I'm saying? Like that was, like I've listened to it for a very long time. And I, so I hear, I can hear David Gans's voice in my head, you know? And uh, when he was coming on the show, I was like, oh, fuck, this is cool, you know? And then like, it was kind of funny because when he signed on, he's like, so what are we doing here? Oh yeah, <laughs> you know I don't think he'd even listen to the show once. You know, oh no, he was no, kind of like I said not. I'd be here. I picked some songs. What are we doing? And I, I kind of went, oh boy, <laughs> like, like you know, too. maybe is this one of those like you don't want to meet your heroes kind of thing, you know? And uh, but there was a there was a moment when when Mike played the first song and we guessed the first song, his demeanor changed completely. Just totally. like flipping a switch, he was like, "Oh shit! Like this isn't this is a thing. Like these people are serious about their thing, 
and their thing wait their thing's my thing yeah <laughs> and uh totally. and he just from then on he locked in and was engaged and gracious and it was just really cool because it was just what you just said joel he's like oh wait fuck these are my people yeah. cool right that it wasn't, it wasn't about david gans being on the show talking about the great it was like oh we're going to talk about the music and that's mm -hmm. always the hub of anything remotely connected to the dead it's like if it can if it can relate back to the music then it becomes fruitful when it becomes mm -hmm. about ego and personality it falls the fuck apart yeah totally yeah and gans we did gans I had the same exact, I followed that all too, Steve. Was that a, did he have the hardest picks of anyone? Um, that, that no, Bob the... Minkin did. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm sorry. <laughs> Outside well, of that one Gans, Bob pick. Yeah, yeah no, God, because I don't think David Gans, I don't think he really realized that he was picking it for like a quiz show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He was just picking like 10 tracks that he really loves. Which made it really cool. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. Bob Minkin, he picked tracks intentionally designed to trip the players up. Which he did. Yeah, that one that one that you swung at, man, that was the nastiest fucking curveball ever. Ever. Well, as soon as he said that, as soon as I... Well, Mike, when you said Milk Vague, I just went, ah. I know, I got it. Well, this has been fun. Yeah, he <laughs> yeah. said, well, I'm done. And that was it. I'm done. <laughs> no, the, yeah. What your response was, Steve, was, dude, you came to play. Like, yeah, yeah you yeah, came yeah. to throw us some heat, dude. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, no harm, no foul. That was completely legit, totally fair. It was the game, yeah. you know. I, and at a certain level, I was like, well, that that's how the game goes, you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you get, you know, if you're up to bat, sometimes you get thrown a heater. That's right. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that was a heater painted on the outside corner. Like, I mean, is there any other yeah. instance of them not playing their own instruments? Because you're obviously the Jerry Tone guy. And not that Jerry... I'm aware of. There you I go. Think that, and what's really, uh, Phil, I think it was Phil in his book said that to his mind, that was the last actually spontaneous thing they ever did. Oh, wow. Whoa. Because of the nature of that trip where it just kind of like came up in the middle you know, they were they they just said, fuck, let's go play in Amsterdam. We can't play in France. We'll go over there and play some shows in a bar, you know. And it, I think know. it had been a while since since they had that kind of like joy to Eve, you know, like, hey, let's just go play a one off gig in Amsterdam with high school kid instruments, you know. Like that wasn't really a thing for a few years prior to that and for all the years after that. Yeah. So, and I wonder if that was a relief. They were really kind of special shows. For the um, sorry, Mike. For, no, for Phil being able to get back to that, which he did with uh, Terrapin Crossroads, just being very spontaneous. Who's oh. in the bar right then? They make a band real quick and well, get up there. That's uh, Phil, because uh, you know, I mean, like I was, I guess, present when um, when Phil started playing shows again in '98, and that was such a cool. Um, like when Garcia passed, Phil dropped out of sight. You know, he just, well, he put out Fallout from the Phil Zone to try that CD, double CD, to kind of try and generate some income, you know. Um, but like he didn't play and he went around and started just going to shows like local dead stuff and, re, you know, just because he, he, and he had this revelation of like he had no idea what it was like to be a deadhead. Mm -hmm. 
Hmm. He had no idea, had no concept of what it was like to stand in front, you know, and that that really, um, it was just inspiring for him to think, well, maybe there's still some, like, maybe there's still work to do here, you know? And plus he probably, you know, used the money because the dead weren't exactly fiscally responsible on that way, you know? <laughs> but, um, I had a moment, it was, this was a couple of years in, it was 2000 in Kansas city, Robin Ford on guitar and the little feet guys, Bill Payne and, uh, Paul Barrer on guitar and, uh, Phil, uh, played Peter Gabriel's in your eyes. Mm. And that song was all about rebirth and renewal and seeing things from a different space. And it was just gut wrenching. Because he was standing up there saying, hey, do you guys want to do this? I mean, you're here, so I'm assuming so, yes. But, like, I'm game. Let's roll. And and I'll, I'll never forget that moment. I was like, oh, my God, this is, you know, I see a the doorways to a thousand churches. Hmm. And, everybody's, <laughs> and then a couple weeks later, I run into this guy in a bar and Ling. He's like, that was the worst eyes of the world ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you kind of missed a lot of that. Yeah. You missed you that missed, Dude, that is that post Jerry period fascinates as we were talking about the other day, Steve, in that book, uh, uh, what a long strange trip, I guess. Um, Joel Sullivan's book, yeah. Yeah, it, that is the just the best book. But what fascinates me most is how Bobby tried to do the Rat Dog with only originals, and there's this touring rivalry between Phil, who I guess kind of had to play Grateful Dead tracks because he played bass. I mean, he could he could compose on anything. Yeah, I'm he doesn't sure. have a, a catalog. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't have a catalog. And like versus Bob, who and then Bob finally kind of gradually came back to playing Grateful Dead stuff, which I think at first maybe seemed like artistically bankrupt him. Like, no, that's in the past. I'm Bob Weir and Rat Dog. But you know, I just love that push pull. And maybe that is a really interesting question. You know, like should you keep playing? And now we've kind of decided they have. You, you should. You just keep playing the music, and obviously, and people love it. Give the people what they want. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but it isn't just fan service. There's artistic integrity in that too. Yeah. Well, I mean that that artistic integrity is always a bit of a toss up with the dead. Mm. I, I would argue, though. I would argue that what Bob's doing with Wolf Brothers is an interesting exploration of stuff that he is probably tired of, maybe. But he's yeah. able to make it because of the musicians on hand, able to mm -hmm. make it a different experience in a really cool totally way and organize it and arrange it in a way that's that's well and that's i mean phil played grateful dead music but he intentionally went out of his way to hire people that weren't deadheads oh. right or that weren't in the grateful dead universe you know and so that is what made it interesting for him mm -hmm. like his stated thing is like i i want to explore the canon from other perspectives mm -hmm. So he lays down the bass and he lets the other musicians, the rotating cast of characters, play it the way they would play Grateful Dead music mm -hmm. or those songs, not even the music, you know, and that has worked out pretty well. And I love, I mean, Bobby always wanted to be a rock star, you know, like he always wanted the big lights and the big, all, you know, he's a rock star in his, in his, he's a ranch hand rock star. <laughs> and uh, so like the, all the stadium shows and all that shit like that, like that's Bobby's wheelhouse, you know, where Phil's perfectly content to play intimate shows and take a lot of risks, mm. you know, dead and company don't take too many risks. No. They improvise, but there's, it's not, 
they're not on the edge of improvisation, you know. Yeah. Where Phil and friends, depending on the, the friends, it can be right on the edge the entire time. So it's a very different thing. And I thought Further was great with Phil and Bob. I mean, it was I saw some of the first Further shows and some of the last Further shows, and it had changed towards the end of the Further shows. You get Like, the vibe was off a little bit. Like, it was kind of like, I, this may have run its course, yeah. you know? How was John K as a But Jerry? anyway, yeah, 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 that was kind of weird. And he, yeah, I don't know. We could talk about that forever. I saw, <laughs> I saw further, I saw further a couple of nights with you in Colorado. It was fantastic. That was your first show, I think. That was pre, that was pre, uh, uh fairly Good well. Company. That was my first yeah, well, live yeah, experience. And they, that was the, the first night of that. I felt bad for Joel because, uh, well, I was just being self-centered, but I let Joel have his experience. But, but Bob spent the entire fucking night dicking with one pedal in his rack he, he, like just, he spent the whole like and i know the listeners at home can't tell but he spent pretty much three-fourths of the show like this <laughs> fucking with knobs interesting yeah there, was, there was something he got he got a a hair up his whatever about the way something sounded and he did not let it go the entire night and i was like bob wow. just play the goddamn guitar <laughs> And I think uh, Phil, well, that's referenced in that Joel Sylvan book where like Bob could be a little, he could be a little cantankerous. Yeah. Whatever. Let Bobby be Bobby. Yeah. That's part of the appeal. We're kind of, well, Bob, the thing about Bob Weir is that he's very hard to love (laughs) in the sense that he can be so frustrating. Like, oh my God, dude, just do something normally for once. But then. Like five minutes later, it's like, oh fuck, that was I can't even describe how awesome that was. <laughs> and that's yeah. why Weir is Weir. He's the most underrated and simultaneously frustrating musician um of the twentieth and twenty first centuries. Wow. Yeah. I, so yeah, I, and, I gotta oh go ahead, please. No, no, please, Joel. I just well, I was gonna land the plane, but I if you're still flying, I don't wanna land the plane. <laughs> No, no, I was just going to say that's interesting that whatever the, the difference between, you know, or, three nights at Oracle Park and the, wherever you guys saw them in Colorado further is John Mayer, it seems. You know, it's uh, they're playing stadiums for three nights in a row versus, uh, yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. And he, mm-hmm. he, he kind of, he found his way. I think he lost Amigo and then gained the right amount of chops to kind of fit in towards the end that was a cool progression to watch because that first that first tour of dead company i was like jesus fucking christ you can't you can't (laughs) you can't you know like he was like it was all like you know big swinging nuts you know it was was johnny Mm -hmm. salami fucking ripping him out and and it felt out of character but he was able to sit back in the middle tours and then at that last tour he was able to kind of be the the band leader in a way and kind of lift everything in the right way and, and flex his muscles and sit back. And he was kind of found that group. I felt Mm -hmm. like that last tour, he really was comfortable in the role. He didn't have anything to prove to the band. He didn't have anything to prove to us. He just played the guitar and was the band leader. Yeah. And it was great. That last tour was sick. They went out on a high note. So good. So good. Well, man, Mike, this time has gone really quickly. Um, is there anything you would like to add for posterity or the hell um, of it? Yeah, well, I guess Final I want to say, uh, yeah, guess the year. Check it out on uh, 
on Instagram, guest of the year show and on Apple podcasts. And I want to say, Joel, I'm that book you mentioned about the dog and the emotional, like being emotional, like your dog picking up on your emotions. I ordered it for your my dog wife. Is your, mirror. your dog is your mirror. Yeah. I ordered it for my wife and it looks amazing. That's like the, a real nice pull. Um, so I'm looking forward you, to reading that as well. I am. It completely changed how I feel and act around my dog. And like, I, I could talk about my journey and what I've learned from my dog in the, in the last six months a lot, but yeah, dude, that book is insane. And I'm, I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're, you're digging it. I haven't finished it yet, but I, uh, yeah, it's pretty powerful stuff. And it seems so, so obvious what, what, now, even just, you see, it, it's like, Oh, of course, you know, your dog's going to pick up on your emotions and they're going to mirror it. And, uh, it yep. seems so obvious, but it's a good, it seems like a good trainer, especially advanced, like having a kid or something like, Oh, like be aware that people pick up on the energy around you. Yeah. And, and I think that dogs are the great example of like, people don't remember uh, how you, what you said, they remember how you made them feel. And Ooh. there's an, ev there's an evolutionary, you know, uh, science backed up the fact that dogs tune into our emotional states as a way to survive. And that's why we have domesticated dogs and the whole like dominance, you know, model really is irrelevant when it comes to, they tune into our emotions and that's how they kept fed. It's brilliant. Yeah. What's so? What's next for guest of the year? Like, are is there any? I mean, you're just going to keep trucking the way you've been trucking. Is there going to be another tournament? Tournament of champions? Is is Steve going to get to curate a list? What What's next? Oh yeah, Steve will be back. Um, that's what I'm trying to figure out. You know, because I um, I like like to think like guest of the year is becoming this cinematic universe of sorts. And there are these recurring characters and I'm one of them, of course, but there's also different curators and Steve. It's basically like anyone who like just, you just hang around a lot enough and you're in the band, you know, and yeah. uh, it's like a, you know, like Steve's in the band. And yeah. I, 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 I like the element of like people being worried. I know people have emailed me like, I don't know what to do with myself now that Steve's gone. Uh, this is actually Eric. <laughs> I swear to God. Here, let me, I'll, I'll it's a different show now. Keep like listening. get a life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally texted Steve and some of our other friends. I was like, what the fuck happens if Steve just doesn't lose? Like is, is, is his, is his expertise going to ruin the show? Like if he just kept winning, like we're like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Right. Fuck no, that no. It, but I think that people would, even if they didn't like Steve, they'd still tune in to like, oh man, I'm tired of Steve. I hope he loses, you know, like I hope it, he it, loses today. That's right. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Like it, I don't, I've never met any of those people, but I'm sure that's uh, like, no matter <laughs> what, if you won 20 in a row, like, it would have happened. Yeah. There, there's, there's a group of people somewhere out there. that are like, see, I knew he sucked 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't know shit. Uh, I knew that. I guess that for sure. Yeah. But that was yeah. a store bought strat. I knew that was fake. <laughs> there you go uh i don't well, know what's gonna happen for guest of the year next it's just like uh just uh hopefully people keep listening and uh making more videos and that kind of helps spread the word and yeah well that's the well, thing man i really i think that this thing's got legs and i'll like my thing with podcasts and you is like when you say without further ado the grateful dead like everything's great <laughs> It's just very soothing. That's like that's a, like Thanks. don't ever stop saying that. That's a guess. Uh, the without, year further ado, without further ado, grateful day. Grateful day. Oh, that's a great uh, T-shirt. And on the back, we bid you good night. Yeah. And oh, that's you, a good one. If, if you do like, like if you get picked up by a big production company or some shit, like for the love of God, please don't do. 
Corporate sponsor presents Guess the Year. <laughs> We're going to get a bunch of deadheads together and they're going to guess the year. Wow, 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 I'll, I'll stop yeah. listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, that it'll is something the, I think about. It's a great experience of Guess the Year. That'll Wouldn't be, that be, great? be like, oh man, Mike sold out. Remember, remember in 2023, they were so good then. <laughs> they could guess the year of the Guess the Year show. Like, oh, they listen to this. Like, actually, like, no ads. This is from the good era, you know? It's like the 77 yeah, of the Guess like, the Year. I, 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 I listened to Guess the Year back, you know, back before they had the Touch of Grey intro, man. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, Mike. Uh, what a joy, dude. I feel like, yeah, we could talk all day and um, we got to have you back, especially as things progress. I hate that Steve lost because I love listening to my buddy, you know, do the deal that you created. But uh, I know that we were waiting because we didn't want any, you know, perceived malfeasance. Uh, We were waiting to have you on until that. So it's such a joy and it's kind of bittersweet that Steve's not there. But if anybody out there listening to our fucking podcast is just like I'm on the breaking point of like, okay, I'll fucking check out the Grateful Dead. Do it (laughs) through Guest of the Year. Do it through that podcast. That's a great way to get interested because it is an open curious space of people that are experts and it's a fun way to you know kind of get your bearings on what this music is about yeah and i think that's uh, that's my yeah i mean this uh, that's i've had that thought too joel like this is a really great way to well that's why i started my first podcast with you yep you know just to talk about because just listening to it like it's such a, a different way of listening to music yeah so anyway, yeah, guess the year is uh, an, an excellent entry point. Um, and Mike, I, I can't like, and I mean this really seriously, like I'm obviously a true believer and uh, uh, I mean that I'm not really joking, but you know, kind of, um, you are continuing the thing, right? In a really great way. Yeah. And uh, so like, I know this song ain't never going to end. You're right in that flow, man. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's a it's an honor to put it together, and I think that um, on the show, you know, there are people that are eighty and fifty and nineteen, and uh, it's a an honor to be the one who you know presses record on it and puts it out every week. and uh, And thank you guys for having me on the show. And I, as I've said, I love your show and love you guys. And appreciate. Yeah, look forward that. to coming back. And Steve, looking forward to having you back right for the Tournament of Champions. Um, go for I'm, the. I can't wait. <laughs> Hey, man, talk, work on the Volkswagen sponsorship, man. I want one of those electric vans. <laughs> I just dude, want a guys... sticker. I, I, that's all I want. <laughs> oh, Joel, what? I got you, dude. Um... <laughs> cool. Uh, all right, man. We'll talk thanks, soon. Yeah, yeah thanks. thank you, guys. Thanks so much. Bye.
Don't forget, toot your hooter.